Welcome to Kissing in a Tree with your host, Kelly Nichols. Romance, intimacy, and self-love are easier when we talk about them, and even more so with someone to lead the way. Here is your host, Kelly. Hello, friend, and welcome to Kissing in a Tree. I'm your host, Kelly Nichols, and this is our premiere episode. Thank you so much for joining me at the start of this project. I'm so excited. To get started, I want to tell you just a little bit more about me. I have a passion for empowering people to ask for what they want in and out of the bedroom. I believe that having important conversations about things like body positivity, healthy communication, and shame-free sex can lead to more fulfilling relationships and greater sexual satisfaction. I hope that this show will give you the tools that you need to own your sexuality and feel confident in asking for what you want. For our premiere episode, we have a very special guest host today to help you get to know me a little bit more. Amy Espinoza and I have been friends for over 20 years, from middle school crushes all the way through to our own marriages. She knows me so well, but I think that even she might learn something new about me before the end of the hour. What do you think, Amy? I think that I am so excited to be a part of this project getting started. And I'm honestly really honored that you asked me to be a part of it. Um, When you told me about the whole project, when you first started the planning phase of everything, I was like, that sounds like something that I wish I would have had, you know, 15 years ago. Um, And then you came back and you're like, actually, can you be my first guest? And I was like, why do you want me to be a guest? But um, I guess it's because I don't mind hearing myself talk. (laughs) And I, we always talk all the time. And we've, like you said, we've known each other for so, so long. And I'm just, I'm excited to interview the interviewer and uh, get let everyone get to love you as much as I love you as one of your best friends. Um, so are you ready for an interview? Are you ready to, to I, I share am. what you have to share? Okay. Yeah. So I have some questions for you. Um, I've just kind of gotten some things together. The first thing I wanted to jump right into is what made you want to create a show like Kissing in a Tree? Oh, that's, that's a great question. Um, I think it stems from my passion for sexual education. I really want to make sex education more accessible to all people, but especially to women. I feel like in our culture, so much of our media and the conversations around sex are centered around male pleasure, specifically like heterosexual male pleasure. And so I really want to open the conversation so that more people feel like their pleasure and their sexual needs are centered in these really important conversations. I also think that it's really important to have destigmatizing conversations about about sex and relationships. I think that the more that we have these open conversations in public, the safer that we will be, especially women. The more that we communicate, um, the more that we know what, what to look for in a toxic relationship, what are cues that my partner is being unhealthy. So um, I'm excited to kind of pioneer those conversations and hopefully everyone will um, become more connected because of that. Um, it was also really important for me to platform other body types and experiences. So much of the conversations around sex are around thin people and the majority of us don't really fit into that category. And so uh, opening up conversations about sex to be more inclusive, I think can help everyone just have better sex, which is always a good thing, right? 
I love that. I love what you said about how there's that stigma about talking about it. And I just think back to when I was going through school, I probably, I think I had most of the same kind of experiences you had of sitting in health class. And they had some really like demeaning type metaphors they would use where they would show you an Oreo or something and they would have somebody chew it up and then spit it out into a glass of milk. And they would say, if you have sex before marriage, you're like a glass of milk with chewed up Oreo in it. And that I feel like was something that made me personally be afraid of sex for a long time. There were many, many years where I just was something I really shied away from even talking about because I didn't want to be, you know, a bad person, a gross person. I didn't want that to affect me somehow. So being able to take a step away from that and kind of talk about something more openly, I think is going to be really valuable to a lot of people. Um, Yeah. I think an awesome, awesome plan that you have and a platform that you have. So thank you so much. I, I agree with what you're saying. And we did go through many of the same health classes and I think it's um, important to highlight what you said, how I went through the same classes that you did, but I had a different reaction to those, you know, visual connections that they were trying to make you feel like if you had sex with someone else, you would be gross. And so I think it's important to highlight that like that type of education can be really traumatizing. Um, you were a student in that class, you're a minor, and that is some of the first official language you are hearing about sex. And sex is such a big part of many of our lives. And so for that to be your first introduction to someone um, kind of in a professional capacity, teaching you about sex and your body and pleasure, that's a really stigmatizing and shameful experience and introduction into the world of sex. And that's part of why I wanted to create this show so that hopefully people have another resource that isn't as shameful as that would have been. That's, I love that so much. I just think that someone being able to talk about it is important and not having the the experiences that maybe that we had where it was somebody that you saw as an authority figure coming in and giving you stigma right away when it's something you've never talked about before. So Maybe can you tell me a little bit about what made you want to get into sex education? Was it something about that, like what you saw in your past or what made you want to get into this as a field? Yeah, that was part of it. I mean, growing up, especially where you and I did, we're both from Texas. So growing up in the conservative South, the education that we received, I mean, truthfully to call it education, our sex education wasn't very educational, right? We weren't taught anything other than don't do it. Don't do it. Or you're gross. (laughs) Don't do it. You're gross. Don't do it. If you, if you do it, then you're going to get a disease. You're going to immediately get pregnant. You know, there are no options. Your life is ruined. Those are all the messages that I was given probably every year, starting even in, I want to say fifth or sixth grade. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I remember when I was in fifth grade, that's when they started with the puberty talks. And um, even then at such an early age, it just made me feel shamed of my body. And that's sad because it's such a natural experience. That's part of why I wanted to get into this field is to help people connect to sex in a way that feels healthy and positive and not, not full of shame. I think that anybody who wants to have an active sex life deserves to have a sex life that is safe and fulfilling. And the only way that we can do that is by having these important conversations 
there just aren't enough resources for people, especially people who look like you and I, we are not, you know, size four models. And so to have bodies that look like ours portrayed in a resource would be something that I wanted so much when I was having to go through all of this myself. I really wish that I had had um, resources that highlighted my stories when I was kind of coming into my sexual being, because without that, I was really left floundering and trying to figure out how exactly can I relate to sex? Um, I also think it's important to focus on the fact that sex is so tied to your body and how you feel about it. Right. It, is. it definitely so is still to not, this day to, for yeah. me, especially. Yeah. If you're not feeling good in your body, it makes it really hard to have a good sexual interaction. Right. Yeah. And so, um, I think that the more that we have these conversations, we can be a resource for other people. Good. Just kind of bridging off of that or kind of continuing on the sex education thought, what do you think, what do you think maybe schools could do different or families of teenagers could do differently um, to get their kids talking about it in a non-stigmatizing way or to get them better information than they've been provided in the past? What do you think that they should do? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that having age-appropriate conversations about sex early and often is the best thing that parents can do when it comes to their children and sex. I think that Parents kind of look at their small child and they think they're not a sexual being. They never will be. I'll get to it later when they're closer to coming into that part of themselves. But the reality is if you wait until that point, you've waited too long because the media is already going to start telling kids how to feel about their bodies and how to feel about sex. So if you wait until the child is 12 or 14, it's, it's too late. I think the best thing that parents can do is to start having age appropriate conversations about your body and consent, right? Like consent is not tied to sex. Absolutely. You can start having those conversations with your kids when they are very young. And I think that that will lay a good foundation for your children so that they always know like my body is mine. And exactly the people who touch my body are because I want them to touch my body. And that is just a basic foundation for our sexual lives, right? Mm -hmm. Is consent and autonomy. And so I think pushing that when they are young can really help. I also think when you are looking at more formal education and what schools can do, I think that abstinence only education is not working. Um, That is not teaching young people how to make good choices. It's just telling them if this is the choice you make, you're bad. And assigning that kind of morality to any sexual encounter, especially when these are some of the first sexual encounters that, you know, young people are going to have is really important to set the foundation. Well, we need to start having the conversations earlier than we are. I definitely agree. And it's hard because, you know, I've worked in education in in the past. I'm taking some time off to be a stay-at-home mom right now. And it's hard because you have in public schools, especially you have people from every background that come in. And so I feel like they just have wanted to play it safe or play to what the politics are for our region in particular. And that's maybe Mm -hmm. where that might've come from. I don't know, but the way that they've gone about doing it in the past and more recently, I feel feel like was doing kids a disservice to just say, just say no, because the Mm -hmm. reality is that kids are not going to 
say no. Most kids are not going to be afraid like I was, which gives you your own problems later in life um, that might solve the problem of the someone having sex while they're a teenager. But then, you know, in their 20s and 30s moving forward, that's going to give them issues later. Um, but the reality think- is they should, you know, give better choices, give more options. I think that's a great point that um, even best case scenario, right, in the abstinence only curriculum, someone waits until they are married to have sex. That's the goal, right? That's the goal. Oftentimes that leads to situations like you mentioned, where even if you do wait until you are older or married, you now have a disconnect with your body exactly because for you, it has been tied to shame. And I think that if you want, if, if you want to wait until marriage, great for a long time, that was the choice that I made, but it was an active choice. It wasn't a choice that was fueled by shame or fear or feeling like I would be unclean if I participated in this activity. And I think that, um, many people walk away from abstinence only education feeling those ways. I don't think that the way that you felt was singular to you. Yeah. Not everyone feels the same thing, but I, I think a lot of people might have that same reaction where, okay, so you're married now, what now a switch has to flip. You have to immediately find it okay to have sex. Not that I waited until I was married. I mean, everyone knows my, my child was our ring bearer at our wedding, but, um, I just feel like it it does still give you some of the the stigma. It comes back and you've internalized it so much that that you deal with that later on. So you do and, and it can make it hard to connect to yourself sexually, exactly. you know, because, yeah. and that's something else that I think abstinence only programs don't focus on is that you don't need a partner to be a sexual being. And that's so when point. you put all of this connotation around sex, you can't even, you don't even feel comfortable to explore sexuality in and of yourself, Mm -hmm. Um, which makes it hard because the only way that you can have healthy communication regarding sex is if you are comfortable owning your own sexuality. And this is what I want. These are my desires. If you can't communicate that with a partner, then having healthy, fulfilling sex is going to be really difficult. Absolutely. I could see where that would be a huge, huge problem if you're not able to find that within yourself. If you've taken that and internalized it so much where you can't even read, say, a sex scene in a book without thinking, this is dirty. This is inappropriate. I need to put this away. Give this back to the library. How are you going to communicate that with your partner? How are you going to be able to connect with them if you can't connect with yourself? So is that something that you've seen or heard other people talk about ever? It is. Yeah. I think that many people feel that way, but especially women, our society really puts us in the box of like, you're either a Madonna or a whore and there you don't have the option to be kind of anywhere in the middle, right? You you can't be a woman who is confident in her sexuality and knows what she wants without people saying, oh, well, she's easy. She sleeps around. You know, the conversations that people have, right? You worry people will use that against you. If you're, you know, you've awakened your own sexuality, then they're going to find a way to turn that around and make that be a negative on you as a person. Mm -hmm. And it also makes it difficult for when it is time to have your first sexual encounter, you are so 
busy thinking like, am what I, am I doing something that is wrong? Should I be doing this right now that you're not able to really be in the moment and connect with yourself? And I think that that creates a huge barrier for many women because then they are now in this sexual encounter that society tells us that we have to do for our partners, but we don't want to do it because we're not receiving any pleasure from it because we've always been told we shouldn't. Right. So having you both have to have sex and you have to not have sex all at the same time. You have to be both people at once and it can get to be a lot in your head and you can get to a point where you're just not enjoying it. I think. Yeah. I, I think you're right. And I think that that's a lot of women's hangups, especially you hear people who have a hard time having an orgasm in bed. And I think it's because they just get so in their own head that they can't connect to their own body in that moment. And that's so sad because what other experience in life do you get to feel more in your body, right? Like this body is a tool and that's one of the best ways that we can use our tools. And so not being able to really feel connected to your body during those moments has to be really disheartening. And I think that a lot of women have trouble reconnecting to their own sexuality because of everything that we've discussed. Yeah, that's a good point. You you want to be able to enjoy your body, enjoy the body that you have, even if it's not something that society is telling you is what the body that you would want. Um, so that's something that I've had to deal with, I think, a lot over the years too. So yeah. I think that's right. And um, we are going to discuss that a little bit more, but I definitely think that being able to have a healthy relationship with your body can empower you to make those healthy sexual decisions. Even things like who are you going to sleep with? Where are you going to sleep with them? Are you going to use protection, right? Those questions um, are obviously really important. We are going to discuss them a little bit later, we're going to go ahead and head into our first short break. First, I want to just thank you so much for listening. I know that we've gotten to know me a little bit more and my passion for sexual education, but um, stay tuned. We're going to come right back and get into some more questions that Amy has written for me. Stay tuned. Follow Voice America at facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Willow Intimacy offers body-positive sex and relationship coaching to improve your relationship with others and with yourself. Transform your sex life and schedule a virtual appointment anywhere in the U.S. Visit willowintimacy.com today to schedule a free consultation and start your journey towards more fulfilling relationships. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. No relationship is perfect. There is always room for improvement. But sometimes knowing where to start can be challenging. Willow Intimacy proudly serves women, men, and non-binary clients and comfortably coaches straight and gay partnerships. Take the first step and schedule a free virtual consultation at willowintimacy.com today. We're here to support your journey towards healthier relationships. 
Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Kissing in a Tree, hosted by Kelly Nichols. Have a question for Kelly or her guests? Email them at show at willowintimacy.com and you might just get your question answered on air. Once again, that's show at willowintimacy.com. Now back to your host. Hi, this is Kissing in a Tree and I'm your host, Kelly Nichols. Thanks so much for listening today. So far, you've learned just a bit about me and um, my dearest friend, Amy Espinoza, is back with us and she is going to continue to ask me a couple of questions. Amy, do you have the next question ready? I do. Yes. Thank you so much for having me, by the way. I'm having such a good time talking about all this. I could see where what you do as a coach is really beneficial for people because I'm already kind of have the wheels rolling in my own head about some stuff that I want to talk about with my husband later. Um, <laughs> but I, I just kind of wanted to bring it back a little bit for a second and ask you, what does a sex in a relationship coach do? Oh, yeah, that's um, a great question. So um, sex and relationship coaches, they can do several different things, but in my opinion, a good <laughs> sex and relationship coach Um, is able to offer you personalized advice. So it is um, something that is tailored really specific to you and your situation. Um, I talk with my clients about how they can have more fulfilling sex, how they can have healthier relationships, and not even just with their romantic partners, but with themselves. Like we discussed before the break, um, an important part of being able to communicate with your partner in a healthy way is knowing what you want and being able to kind of give voice to the those desires. And so that's something that we can explore. Um, but it's not even just for people in relationships, sexual people can, or I'm sorry, single people can benefit from seeing a sex coach too, because like I said, before the break, we're sexual beings without a partner. So some people who have that mental hangup, like you said, where you know, I feel like sex is dirty, even just masturbating, connecting with their own body in a natural and healthy way can be really difficult. And so being able to give someone the tools to kind of reconnect with themselves is one of my passions. And I think it is one of the best benefits of seeing a sex coach. I think a lot of the obstacles that people have to better sex and relationships stem from internal feelings, poor self-esteem, confidence, low self-worth, all of these things make it hard to feel like we deserve to have good sex and healthy companionship. So when we kind of have space to explore those things and reconnect with our bodies, it can lead to much more fulfilling relationships. I love that. That could benefit so many people. Even like you said, someone that isn't in a relationship that may be going through what I went through when I was younger. Um, They could get some real strategies, I think, from a coach about how they could maybe look at that within themselves or reconnect with their bodies um, by themselves. So can you just like give me a tip of like, what would be one little thing that you would tell somebody to do that maybe wasn't in a relationship that was finding things that were sexy to be dirty or taboo 
what is a first step you might give that person? Yeah. So I think it depends on kind of where they are struggling and what their hangup is. Right. And like I said, sex coaching is so individualized, but, um, a just general tip to help someone connect to their own body and feel sexier is when you are getting ready in the morning, before you go to your day job or before you're taking the kids out of their playpens, whatever you are doing in the morning, when you get dressed, just put on some lingerie, pick out your favorite lingerie, put that on under your clothes and then go about your day. And even no one knows, right? (laughs) Right. I love that. But you will know. And it's a great way to just reconnect and remind yourself, I'm a sexual being, even if that leads to no sexual encounter, even if that, even with myself, even if I don't masturbate later, just having that like connection to feel sexy and flirty in my own body, in my own skin can really help you connect more. I also think that if you're having difficulty kind of feeling sexual in your body, like you're having hangups with your body, spend some time naked, just spend some time naked. Just learn the house. (laughs) Yep. Learn what your body looks like without clothes on, because I promise you it's cuter than you think, right? Yeah. Like I, all the time will be walking in front of a mirror and I can, I'm like, Oh, I didn't notice how cute I look from that angle. Right. <laughs> and that is part of what being comfortable in your own skin looks like. And the only way that you can kind of get there is if you take the first step. And sometimes exactly. those are baby steps, like putting on a pretty bra underneath your sweatshirt. Right. Exactly. It gives you a lot of confidence. And I feel like maybe that can even carry over, give you confidence and other things you're trying to do throughout the day. So I feel like that's a really beneficial idea to get yourself cute in the morning and feel a little bit sexy by yourself. I like that. Um, But you also talked about your body and looking at your body naked. Um, So you have to be kind of positive or at least neutral on what your body looks like to do that. Um, Talk. Can you talk a little more about body positivity? I know we kind of touched on that before the break, like you, you talk about being a body positive sex and relationship coach. So what, what does that mean? Bringing that into there. I emphasize that because I think that's the most important part of what I do. A lot of sex coaches, um, will have conversations with you about sex and your body, but because fat phobia is so internalized through our media, that can come into their practice in ways that maybe they're not expecting. And so something that I do is I work really hard to critically look at the media that I am consuming. Um, I've spent decades unpacking the fat phobia that was put in me, right? Right. And I work to kind of turn that around and make it a part of my practice. So a lot of unfulfilling sex and unhealthy relationships stems from internalized negativity around your own body. So when you talk to a sex coach who is body positive, their goal should be to help you kind of unpack some of that and learn that like all bodies are good bodies, right? There is no morality to what your body looks like. Um, We're conditioned to want to be thin, right? Women are conditioned to want big boobs, big butt, flat stomach, right? Men are conditioned to be tall, muscular, rugged, right? And these, these, when I am describing it, right, you can get a mental image of what these people look like, but those people aren't what the vast majority of people look like. (laughs) Absolutely not. So, so much media is just shoving down our throat, what they're telling us our bodies should look like. 
And the problem is when we start to hear that and believe it, the media that we consume and the bodies that are featured in that media affect how we perceive our own body. The two are married. There is no way that you can separate them. So the only thing that you can do is start to critically evaluate the media you are consuming and what it is saying about you and your body. And are you internalizing what you're being shown, um, associating, I think our self-worth with conventional beauty standards is a fool's errand because it's a moving target, right? Right. You're never going to be able to look like Cindy Crawford because not even she looks like that with all of the Photoshop and the makeup. And I mean, models have teams of 20 people to get them ready for this shoot. That's going to be in a magazine. They don't walk around looking like that. So if you are holding yourself up to that standard and that ideal, you're never going to hit it. You're just going to make yourself feel bad. So I think having conversations to kind of unpack all of that in a safe space can really make a difference in a lot of people's lives. I can see where that would be very true because there's a lot, a lot of media out there and a lot of pressure on people, you know, from a very young age that you want to look perfect. You want to go on whatever the latest diet is and, you know, lose five, 10, 15, 20 pounds or more. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's that pressure to maybe not, not necessarily weight, but just to have perfect skin or to have perfect hair. And if someone is not happy or confident with that, you, you see that carry over a lot to the bedroom where they're not going to be happy with having sex with a partner. Um, if they're not happy with their body. So do. what, what do you see about that? Tell, can you tell me some more about that? Yeah. So I think that something that can be a mental block for people is when they see themselves naked because they're not used to looking at their body naked. Right. Right. So when they see themselves naked in a sexual encounter, they immediately become very self-conscious. Right. Um, and this is true of all people, but especially women were thinking, what is he thinking about when he is doing this thing to me? And that thought spiral is as far away from an orgasm as you can get. (laughs) Oh yeah. So we kind of have to be able to recognize that before it starts and and put a stop to it. Um, And I think a good way to do that is like we mentioned, get used to being naked, look at yourself in lingerie, be comfortable in your own body. And if you can really work on getting comfortable in your own body, then that's going to make sexual encounters for you so much better. You're going to be having better sex because you're not going to be worried the whole time about what do I look like in this position? When we're doing this, what is, what part of my body is he staring at exactly? Cause it doesn't matter. Right. And you can't even predict what your partner is going to be looking at anyway, or thinking about, you can't read another person's mind. So there's no point in thinking that way. Absolutely not. Yeah. And so much of like, what your partner finds attractive about you might not be what you find attractive about yourself, right? Like all of the flaws and the things that you feel about your body, hopefully you are in a relationship with someone or you are having sex with someone who isn't putting those onto you, right? They're in your own head. And so when they are performing sexual acts with you, they're not thinking about that. <laughs> Hopefully they are thinking about the connection that the two of you are forming and the, the interaction itself. Hopefully if it's a good relationship, then your partner is not going to be critical of your body and things like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you say your focus is on sex and relationship coaching. Um, and those are like the services that you offer people. Do you have any other services that you offer? 
Um, yeah, I do. I um, also do body positivity coaching, which right. we've talked a bit about. Even if you are, um, maybe you're a young person who's not wanting to have sex or you're asexual, you never want to have sex. You have no interest. Um, you could still benefit from body positivity coaching. If you are struggling with just feeling confident in your own skin, if you are, um, feeling uncomfortable in your clothes, if you feel like when you are in public, you aren't allowed to take up space for your body, any of those feelings can be signs that you should talk to somebody, somebody who can effectively and healthily hold that space for you to be able to kind of show you that those thoughts aren't necessarily, aren't necessarily reality, right? Like just because we think a thought doesn't make it true. And that's something that people who struggle with their body often feel like every thought I think about my body is the, is truth. And that's just not the case. So having somebody who can kind of hold that space can be helpful. Um, I also do, um, coaching for individuals. Like I said, you don't need to be in a romantic relationship to benefit from sex coaching and from, um, self-esteem and body positivity coaching. I think that even having somebody who can talk to you about how to set healthy boundaries regarding your body and other people, other loved ones in your life, your mom, your aunt, your sister, your brother, being able to have an internal boundary of we are not going to discuss my body because it is not healthy for me is really important for people who are struggling in that area of their life. And it is very difficult. It is so hard to set a boundary with someone Mm -hmm. who you love and who loves you knowing that it is what is best for you. And many times these people are in our family. They have been making these comments for years. So flipping this, the script on them can be challenging and you need someone to kind of practice that and give you the tools to be able to do that in a way that is going to salvage your relationship with that person while still respecting your own boundaries and setting a firm line of, we're not going to discuss my body, but those things take practice. Boundary setting can be very, very hard, I think for anything. So what would, can you give me like an example of if you had to set about somebody that was going to work with you had to set a boundary with say their grandmother Mm -hmm. Um, about talking about weight, maybe what would be something that you would give as like an example of how to start that conversation, uh, how to ease into that? What would you say would be the first place Mm -hmm. to start for that person? So I think the best thing to do is to respond right away. So the second that your loved one, in this case, let's say your grandma makes a comment, even something like, oh, are you sure you should be eating that at Thanksgiving? Mm -hmm. Um, You can immediately shut that down turn to them and say, I am not interested in talking about my body or what I am consuming. And just having that firm sentence in their face will often make people pause. Because I think a lot of people, especially when it comes to their loved one's bodies, they think that that's an open topic. So when you shut that door, oftentimes that will shut it down. They realize, oh, I've crossed a line. However, there are some people who that does not work for and you have to take it to the next step. And that can look like different things. I think it depends on who the person you are trying to set the boundary with is, how close they are to you, how much you want to preserve that relationship. Um, But let's say you're on the phone call and they make another comment. 
saying something like, okay, grandma, um, you've made this comment. I am not going to discuss my body or my weight with you. I'm going to ask you to please not have any more comments like that, or I'm going to end the phone call. And then if they say something else, you say, okay, grandma, listen, um, this conversation is not beneficial to me. I've asked you a couple of times to not mention this. I'm going to go ahead and go get off the phone. If you're at Thanksgiving, walk away. And just removing yourself from the conversation, number one, not only protects you, right? Like you're protecting yourself, but it also tells that person, I am not going to let you walk over my boundaries. (laughs) This is my body. I mean what I am saying. Does that answer your question? I like that. I just think that that would be so hard and it would take a lot of confidence, I think, to get to the, get to the point where you would be able to do that. And things are different. I mean, different across cross cultures, different across families, mm-hmm. where families talk about things in a lot of different ways. Um, and there's a lot of feelings on both sides, I think. But, you know, communication is key, I think, for everything. You know, my whole thing about what I love to talk about is communicating. And so just finding a good way to communicate that with your loved ones, I think, is really a good idea. Um, well, just really quickly, can you talk about like what a session with you would look like. So maybe a first session for seven coming in for a relationship issue. Yeah. So, um, I do a free 15 minute conversation, um, consultation first that just kind of lets me touch base, see what kind of services you are needing and that we can develop a plan together for right now. All of my sessions are virtual and handled over zoom. The um, early sessions will be mostly talking about goals, what goals you want to meet, what do you want to focus our time on, and then what's keeping you from meeting those goals, right? Right. Um, And then from there, we will go over different mental exercises, healthy thought patterns, how to break cyclical thinking, right? Um, How to set healthy boundaries, because that's a lot of it. Um, and then from there, we will just move into how you can implement the tools that I've given you into your life. That sounds like it would be a really good, good service to have. I would love to have a coach like that. (laughs) (laughs) I need, I need a relationship coach or maybe not a relationship coach, but, uh, I like the body positivity thing. That's a good, good service that you would offer. So if somebody wanted to come in with, um, their partner, they would, how would you get them on the same page? Yeah. So it would be very similar. We would start with a consultation and then talk about individual goals. And then for some relationships, we would do, um, two individual sessions with each partnership, I like but that. most times we would come back and and do it all together. Um, I could talk about this forever. You know, I can, but we do need to go to another short break really quick. Thank you so much for listening with me today. You've been getting to know me a little bit more with my dearest friend, Amy. Amy Espinoza. Um, but we will be right back after the break. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. No relationship is perfect. There is always room for improvement, but sometimes knowing where to start can be challenging. Willow Intimacy proudly serves women, men, and non-binary clients and comfortably coaches straight and gay partnerships. Take the first step and schedule a free virtual consultation at willowintimacy.com today. We're here to support your journey towards healthier relationships. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. 
Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Willow Intimacy offers body-positive sex and relationship coaching to improve your relationship with others and with yourself. Transform your sex life and schedule a virtual appointment anywhere in the U.S. Visit willowintimacy.com today to schedule a free consultation and start your journey towards more fulfilling relationships. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Kissing in a Tree, hosted by Kelly Nichols. Have a question for Kelly or her guests? Email them at show at willowintimacy.com and you might just get your question answered on air. Once again, that's show at willowintimacy.com. Now back to your host. Hi, welcome back to Kissing in a Tree. This is your host, Kelly Nichols, and I'm joined today by Amy Espinosa, who is helping you get to know a little bit more about me. So far in the show, we have um, gone through some questions about what exactly is a body positivity, sex, and relationship coach, but we are now going to move into the segment where we are going to answer some written in questions. Before we do that, I want to take just a second to highlight a health clinic that offers low-cost STI testing. This week's clinic is local to me. It is in North Texas. They have several locations. It is Prism Health North Texas. In addition to low-cost STI testing, they also offer low-cost and no-cost treatments as well as free condom and lube kits. And my favorite thing about this clinic is you don't even have to go in to get them. They will mail them to you. If you would like more information or would like to visit one of their, their locations, you can learn more about them at phntx.org. Again, that is phntx.org. And Amy, I think you've got some intriguing questions for me. Is that right? I do. I got a chance to look at these questions before the show, and I just thought, wow, these are these are some good ones. Um, the first one I can definitely relate to. So you ready to jump right in? I am. Yeah. Okay. Here's the first one. It says, I have been dating this guy for about six months and we're having great sex. The issue is I struggle to initiate intimacy. I always have. My other relationships have been short-lived, so no one has ever voiced to me that they want me to initiate more, but my current partner has. I'm so attracted to him, and I tell him that all the time, but he wants to feel desired. Every time I try to initiate sex, I feel so awkward and unsexy. How can I get past this? Yeah, I think that- Good question. Um, yeah, I think so many people feel that way, right? Um mm-hmm. I would suggest a few things. The first thing that I would ask is why are you struggling? Really reflect and think, what is my holdup here? I want you to think back to the moments where like you wanted to initiate sex, but then you didn't. And 
and really evaluate why you made that choice. If it is just that you feel sexy and awkward, that's or unsexy and awkward, that's easy. We can fix that. If it is that you're struggling to connect to your body, if you're struggling to connect to your partner, then those are things that kind of need to explore to be explored further. But if you just feel awkward, there are easy solutions to that. Um, the first I would say is to practice. <laughs> and that sounds silly. You're not like practicing an instrument, but you are kind of getting to know a new side of yourself and that takes some work, right? Right. So I would say in the morning, in the car, practice saying out loud what you want to say to your partner. If you're very type A and you want to write it out, go for it. Write out what you want to say so that you can get the words right. And then familiarize yourself with voicing your own desires out loud. There is no shame in vocally asking for what you want. That's really important. So I'm going to say it again. (laughs) There is no shame in vocally asking for what you want. So many of us feel uncomfortable giving voice to our desires and we shouldn't. So I think the first thing you should do is practice with your partner, not around in a setting where you feel comfortable and relaxed. Then if you're still needing a little something else, pretend, (laughs) tell yourself that you are an actor or an actress. Pretend like you are in a cheesy 1970s porno if you want to. Lay it on thick. Even if your partner, if it isn't quite hitting the mark of them feeling desired, it's going to give you confidence. And if you start it off like that, it'll end up being sexy, right? Like the right. cheesy will die down once your nerves do, and it'll end up being a good sexual encounter. It can be a great starting off point. Um, and then I also would say, remember to laugh. So many times people think sex is so serious and it just isn't. Ultimately, it is about you and your partner connecting. So even if you have practice and let's say you've choreographed this amazing lap dance and then you get started and your legs are shaken and you stumble, laugh it off, right? Your partner is going to see the effort that you've put in and they might not even notice. (laughs) So don't be afraid to be silly. It is not that serious. Um, I also think something that stood out to me when you were reading this question is she said, my partner wants to feel desired. Mm -hmm. I would encourage her to ask their partner, what does it mean to you to feel desired? What does does that look like? Because the way that you want to feel desired and the way that I want to feel desired are probably different. And the same is true of you and your partner. So if your partner wants to be desired physically, then maybe just practice on that at first. That can be something as simple as wait until they've been in the shower for 10 minutes and then go join them, right? You don't have to say anything there. They're going to know by what you're doing, what you want. And so if you're nervous speaking it out loud and your partner just wants you to physically initiate more, that can be a great middle ground, a great starting point at least. Now, if your partner wants to be vocally desired, they need to hear those words. Then again, practice saying them out loud, but also say things to your partner outside of a sexual encounter. You know, when they are bending down to pick something off the floor, you know what, girl, you got a really nice butt today. (laughs) 
You know, if your husband is taking out the trash, babe, your arms look so good. I can't wait until they are wrapped around me again. Saying something sexy outside of a sexual encounter will make your partner feel desired. It's going to surprise them. And it's also not going to put so much pressure on you, especially if you do it in the context that I just gave you, right? Like if your wife is cleaning, she's probably not going to stop to go jump your bones. If your husband's taking out the trash, you're probably not in a great time to go run off and have a quickie, but that's going to get their mind going. It's going to make them feel appreciated. It's going to make them feel heard. Like you're listening to them when they come to you with a problem. So baby steps can feel really big when your partner is asking you about something regarding sex. And I think there are so many ways to get over feeling awkward and unsexy, right? Right. Um, Definitely something that is fixable. I love the idea of having lots and lots of practice and (laughs) (laughs) coming up with things to say. And the idea for saying things outside of actual sex. Love that. Thanks. It's a really good answer. I'm learning Thanks. lots from you today. Um, I have more questions. You want to do okay. another one? Yeah, sure. Okay. We've got time. This is a big one. Okay. How many dates do I need to wait before I have sex? I've seen TikToks of dating coaches saying to wait up to six months, but honestly, I don't want to go six months without having sex. I have never really been intentional about waiting a certain amount of time. I usually just get carried away in my emotions and sleep with him soon. Then guys usually ghost and I get hurt. I want to stop this pattern, but I don't know how. Yeah, I think that that's another great question that I think a lot of people can relate to. Um, the short answer for me is there is no timeline. <laughs> so I think, the answer is there's no answer. Basically. Yeah, the yeah. answer is the limit doesn't exist. Right? <laughs> so um Putting a timeline on sex feels weird for a lot of reasons. Um, I think the main reason is that relationships move at different speeds. So saying, I'm not going to sleep with anyone until I've been together for six months, that might work for a lot of people. That might be perfect for them. But for people like the person who wrote this question, that isn't viable, right? They don't want to go six months without having sex. They want to have sex more frequently than that. And that's fine. You you have to know what you want and what you need. I agree. And I think it's really important that this person is already able to kind of internalize the fact that I am behaving this way and I'm not getting the outcome that I want. Maybe I need to change my behavior, right? They're saying I sleep with people too soon. Then they ghost me. I don't like that. What can I do different? Mm. Um, I, my main advice to this person would be go with your feelings toward the person and how that person is meeting your needs. So I'm not saying wait six months. I'm not saying wait six days. I'm saying if you are the kind of person who knows that in a new relationship, I get overwhelmed with hormones. And the second I'm kissing somebody for the first time, I know I'm going to want to have sex with them, but that is the behavior that I'm wanting to break. Great. Fine. Then you should set the boundary for yourself that I will know I'm ready to start thinking about having sex when the butterflies have down, died down a little bit. When I feel a little bit more in control of my body and my desires, then that can be a good cue for you. Well, maybe it's time to have sex with this person because it's an act of choice, right? right. You're not going to feel like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I wasn't prepared. I didn't emotionally plan for this to happen. And now I'm stuck here kind of holding the pieces, Right. I also think it's important to look at your partner and how they are meeting your needs. 
So if you know that in order to feel safe with someone and like, they're not going to ghost you, you want someone who is going to show up actively for you consistently. So maybe instead of saying, I'm going to wait until date five, right? Cause that's kind of arbitrary. You can say, I know it will be time for me to sleep with this person when they are consistently making me a priority, when they are answering my texts quickly or my calls, when they are picking up dinner for me, when they are making a point to plan the date and not rely on me to plan the date. Like there's, you see what I'm saying? There are so yeah. many ways that you can qualify what you want from your partner. So instead of basing when you're going to sleep with someone on an amount of time, I would recommend you based it on when they are meeting your needs and how you are feeling. It also takes the power back, right? It doesn't feel so arbitrary. I'm going to wait six dates. That doesn't matter what if you go on three dates in one day. (laughs) So I think um, kind of having this guideline for yourself takes some of the power back and makes you feel more in control. Yeah. It's going to take a lot. I think for that person, it's going to take a lot for them to look inward and try to figure out like what you said about what kind of need is my partner going to meet for me? Um, where are we in this relationship? Um, and you know what? I mean, is, is it okay if the relationship is just sex for now, then that's fine. I, I think mean, the way that this person wrote in makes it seem to me like they are not looking for that kind of a casual relationship right. that it many seems, people yeah. are. And I think that's why it can be harmful for dating coaches to say, don't sleep with them for six months. Yeah. So why are you denying yourself, your wants, your desires? You know what I'm saying? true to you. Yes. And not everyone wants their next partner to be a lifelong partner. And that's fine, right? That's right. And as not long even- as you're honest with each other. Not even everyone wants a partner. Like there are just one, you can have more than one partner as long as you're open with each other. Yes. I definitely don't think that you need to set any um, parameters around when you have sex for someone with someone, but if you are feeling like you are having sex too soon and it is at the detriment to what you are seeking from dating, then you should reevaluate your um, your decision-making process. I think that a lot of people go into dating wanting something serious, but then they date casually. <laughs> and that, that kind of disconnect is why they're not being very successful, right? Or a lot mm-hmm. of people seriously date when they should be casually dating. So I think really evaluating what you want, like it seems like this um, person who wrote in has, um, can help, can be really beneficial and it can help you be more authentic in your dating relationships. Yeah. Being able to say, am I looking for something casual or something more serious? I mean, be honest with yourself about that because I remember it was years ago now, but when you look on the apps that say like, I'm not looking for anything serious, mm-hmm. you know, you have to find what's going to match up with that. And Let's a lot see. of people now don't even answer those questions. Honestly, the, no, the they apps don't. <laughs> still ask those questions, but a lot of people will say, Oh, I'm looking for serious dating. And then they're not right. <laughs> they're wanting someone who they're wanting casual dating. They're wanting hookups and that's fine. There's no judgment here on that end, but don't lie. Be honest. And I think that that's a good thing for you to keep in the back of your head. If you are someone who is out there dating and you feel like you're running into this, just because someone says on their profile that they are looking for long-term dating does not mean it's true. So do internal checks of, are they behaving like they want a serious relationship, Mm, because if they're behaving like they want something casual, 
take them at, at their actions, not their word, right? Actions and words, mm-hmm. definitely. <laughs> yeah, very, very good points. I feel like we've learned a lot today. I think I so have. Too. You I taught could, me a lot today. Oh, thank you. I could keep talking to you forever. That's probably why we've been friends for over 20 years, but we do need to wrap up the show. Oh, I want to okay. thank you so much for joining me. Next time we're going to have some more conversations with another guest. Um, Amy can be found on Twitter at a Espinosa 42. If you would like to keep up with her, she's a great conversationalist. <laughs> Um, if you want your question answered on the next episode of kissing in a tree, you can send us an email at show at kissing in a tree.com. And we will potentially answer those for you on our next episode until then. Thank you so much for listening. Continue to deepen your roots, branch out with love and keep growing. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Kissing in a Tree. We hope you learned something new and that you use it to enrich the relationships in your life. Until next time, we hope you feel loved.